If you join us today, you join us in the last of our mini-series that we have been discussing on Free and Clear. It's part of our annual series talking about freedom in Christ. And we have sort of taken from the Old Testament celebration of the year of Jubilee, which the Israelites celebrated once every 50 years. So at Northside this year, being our 75th year, we celebrate a Jubilee and a half. As we have been five weeks into this series of Free and Clear, God's roadmap to debt-free living, we have been examining exactly how God's people can get, manage God's money in God's ways. We first talked about how it's necessary to change your mind to be weird. And then Steve talked about when weird was normal, then I challenge us that if we want to go and put our weirdness into practice, we're going to be free and cut the bonds of financial slavery, no matter how it may look. Last week, Steve talked to you about the legacy that Northside has received looking back over the past 75 years, and our challenge today is to challenge you to leave a legacy. And we said this is a journey, this would be milepost number three as I challenge you to look ahead. This idea of looking ahead will drastically change your life, not just in the spiritual sense. I'm convinced that if you live with a legacy in mind, it'll change nearly everything you do. From what you eat, to your marital life, to your financial life, to your church life, it's necessary to take the long view in mind. Some of the wisest, most successful people that I've ever met do not think just about today or tomorrow. They are thinking 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And that's a challenge for us as a family, not just to think about where we've been and how God has blessed us, but also to think about where we're going and how God is going to use us to bless others in the future. About 20 years ago, I was learning to drive. And I was learning to drive... There were lots of people who tried to teach me, my dad, my grandfather, and different people involved in my life. There was one guy, though, that I really wanted to learn from. He was an excellent driver. He was always aggressive, and yet he was always in control of the car. The, the car was never in control of him. And so he agreed to take me driving a few times, and the very first time he took me driving, we took that old Jeep Cherokee, and I was in the driver's seat driving along, and he said, now, Toby, there are three basic rules to being a good driver. Number one, look ahead. Number two, look way ahead. And number three, look way, way ahead. And in those 20 years since, I have learned time and time again, I have would have saved countless numbers of errors, countless number of accidents could have been prevented if people would only learn to look ahead. I'm not sure why we have trouble looking... Hold on just a second. Ahead in our culture today. It's not like we're distracted. But we've got to think with a legacy in mind. So if you want to leave a legacy, this is the first thing you have to do. You have to learn to look way ahead. If we were driving last week, Steve was kind of looking in the rearview mirror. But as a family, we've got to look way, way, way beyond 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. What will be they be saying about us in our next 75 years? What will Northside look like? 
Secondly, if you want to leave a legacy, you have to start by putting God first. Now, that's a churchy thing to say and an easy thing to say. It's much harder to do. What does that look like? Well, the widow from Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. She was not a powerful lady. She didn't have a lot of name recognition. She is what you would call an ambient person. She sort of faded into the background. And yet, 2,000 years later, here we are talking about her. Why? Because of the, the amount of the gift that she gave? No, it was worth a fraction of a penny. Wouldn't even measure on an accounting record. It was minuscule. What did she give? She gave a percentage. What percentage? 100%. What did that show? God first. All the time. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your money and with the first part of all your crops. Then you will have more grain and grapes than you will ever need. Some people ask, well, should I tithe based on my gross or my net? Well, according to Proverbs 3, it's always your gross. It's the first part, the lion's share that God gets. It's not like, hey, taxes come out and then my retirement and then everything's taken care of. And then, oh, God gets his part. You give to God first. Now, we might understand widow's mites. We might understand grain and grapes. But let me give you an example from modern day that we might really understand. A, a company that I think epitomizes and personifies putting God first in what they do. The company is Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. And as you may have well gathered, Chick-fil-A loves me. There is nothing better in my mind than a perfectly moistened, buttery bun and a plump, tender, juicy chicken breast between those two buns. It is a thing of heaven. Yes. Amen. That's right. If God could make a waffle fry, it would be similar to what you get at Chick-fil-A. Now, why is their food so good? It's just fast food because their founder, Truett Cathy, believes in one thing. If you're going to make food, make it good. But it's not just their food. It's their service. It's my pleasure to serve you. It's learning your name. Christy and I went in for lunch there at Chick-fil-A one day. And the young lady at the counter said, oh, hi, Toby. <laughs> That's a good thing. That might be a bad thing. Perhaps I had to start a celebrate recovery group. Hi. I'm Toby, a firm believer in Jesus Christ, and I have an addiction to waffle fries. But what I love about Chick-fil-A is that they put God first in everything that they do, from their food to how they treat their customers. Two weeks ago in Georgia, when they were being inundated by an avalanche of snow, or a few inches, the, the, the city was completely shut down of Atlanta. And what did the people at Chick-fil-A do? They were out there on the highway handing out free food. They were offering their store for people to come in and stay and sleep if they needed to and making them breakfast in the morning. At any charge? No. Why? Because that's why Jesus, what Jesus would want them to do if Jesus ran a business. That is putting God first. Chick-fil-A is going to leave a legacy. They're going to change the world, not just through the chicken sandwiches, but in how they treat their people. So you want to leave a legacy? The first thing you got to do is look ahead. Second thing you got to do is put God first. The third thing you got to do is train and teach your children. Now, if you have children, whether they are very, very small like mine or, or if they're adult children, I guarantee you they always learn the exact same way. They learn by watching what you do. You can always talk to them. You can lecture to them. You can just inundate them with words. But what they will always do, 
They will always do what they see their father and mother doing. You can say God comes first, but if you don't open your Bible, you expect your children to? You can say God comes first, but man, we just have about 15 minutes for church, just some time to take the Lord's Supper. Then we got to go out and go to the soccer tournament all weekend. You can say you put God first, but your children, make no mistake, they will always do what you do. When we watch our children falling away, we have to ask ourselves, what are they watching? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. You know the verse well. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give today to you today are to be upon your hearts. And that's important because when they're on your hearts, they impress your action. Acts 2.37 uh, it says that the people were cut to the heart and then they asked, what shall we do? Impress them on your children, it goes on to say. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That doesn't mean family devotionals all the time. It means living the principles to teach your children. Living those principles like Ben and Kelly Tyson. Hey, Toby. God convicted us through you this morning. Now, what I love about that video is not just the fact that Ben Tyson gives the best facial expressions in the world, but the fact that they are training their children. I'm going to play that video again, and I want you to catch the most important part. It's not what Ben's doing. Pay attention. Hey, Toby. Here goes. God convicted us through you this morning. The most important part of that video is the last two-tenths of a second where you hear young Will Tyson asking the question, why? You see, Ben and Kelly were, it wasn't because of me, because of what God's word did. They were convicted in their heart. That meant their actions changed. When their actions changed, they cut up those cards. They didn't wait any longer. They put their trust in God. They got rid of their financial slavery. And what were their children sitting right there doing? They were asking, why? And when they ask why, you have a perfect opportunity to teach and to train them. And that's exactly what did what you heard there in the last two tenths of a second in that video was a family tree changing. Now, the past few weeks, we've been in Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Some of you have been trying to convince me that having credit cards is okay because you get airline miles and points and cash and you can manage it and it's okay. And I don't want to argue with you. I'm just going to say you haven't learned to live free. But for those of you who are convicted and ready to live free, look at the verse before. What does it say? Start off, start children off on the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. You see, if Sophie and Will and Seth get that lesson It'll change not just their family. It'll change the kingdom of God. You want to leave a legacy, you begin to change your children. You want to leave a legacy? You invest for eternal dividends. Now, I have this morning something up here that I spent a lot of time around when I was younger because my grandparents owned an apple orchard. And part of what we learned is that inside every apple are what? The seeds. Now... 
that's pretty simple. Drop the seeds there. You can always count the number of seeds in an apple. But I can take one seed out. And I can guarantee you, you could be here all day and you'll never count the apples in that seed. People who invest for legacy think about more than the apple. They think about the seed. Uh, There are a few people, a few folks at Northside that love to give scholarships to our teens. A few very faithful sisters and brothers in Christ will come up to me when there's a Winterfest or a teen camp or a work camp. And they'll say, who needs to go? Who do I need to help? And it's lovely. It's absolutely amazing. One particular time, she wouldn't want me to share her name, so I won't. This lady said, I I, want to know if this young person needs to go to camp. They need a scholarship. I looked into it, and sure enough, they did. So my investor wrote a check, $150, $175, and that paid for that person's camp that year. Now that year, that young lady was paid for, she was baptized into Christ. And so I came back, and I was so excited, and the first person I looked for was my investor. And I said, you'll never guess what. The person you paid for to go to camp, they were baptized, and her eyes got about this big. And she's she's in her 70s, and she goes, yes! (laughs) Now, why is that? She's a person who lives with legacy in mind. She's not worried about paying any debts. She didn't have any. She's investing in apple seeds. And she knows that that seed will plant other seeds. That that will impact her family and her friends and her neighbors and her children and her future husband. She knows that she can't ever count the return on investment from that one seed. People who think legacy think with eternal dividends in mind. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 18-19, part of which was just read for you by James. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In doing this, they will lay up for themselves treasure for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. When you and I think of giving, we often think of what happens in about 10 minutes here in this room. But God said that's not where it stops. It continues. All throughout this week, 700-ish people are going to have opportunities every single day to do good, to be generous, to be willing to share. The question, though, is will you pursue the opportunity? Will you take advantage of it? We know the story of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan was a story that Jesus used to answer a question. Remember what the question was? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells this ridiculous story about people the Israelites considered to be heathen, doing such incredible good for someone who needed it. And his lesson was, who is your neighbor? Everyone. Anyone. There are opportunities all the time. But I want you to think about this. That good Samaritan would not have even been able to do the good that he did if he didn't have the money to do it. I've known too many people in God's kingdom that wish to do good, that long to help, but they are handcuffed. They are shackled and they can't do the good that God has for them to do. These are not just random occurrences. These are real opportunities every single day. This is the people that God is calling us to be, to weave our stories with other people's. You know how sometimes it feels like life just happens? You know, 
just random things seem to fill your day, things with little or no consequence to anyone else. I mean, I know God's in control of my life, but I never really saw how much he was weaving my story with other people's stories, and really, into his story. Well, that's all changed. It was a cold day, the kind where you really don't want to have some long conversation outside with someone, especially with someone you don't really know. But that's exactly what God had in mind. Amy and I had just eaten lunch at Dumplin's downtown Franklin, and we were walking to the car and we see this couple that I thought I recognized from church. It would have been awkward just to walk by them and not say anything, so we stopped and said hey and did the whole, yeah, yeah, you guys go to fellowship thing, whatever. Well, we start talking and the whole Dave Ramsey thing comes up. They asked us where we were in the process, and I told them that so far we paid off 60000 but still had $10,000 left to go. They asked us what we would do when we were debt-free, and I laughed and told them, well, I told my kids I'd buy them a trampoline, but we really wanted to adopt, and we committed to being debt-free before we did. The whole conversation only lasted about three minutes. It was like, nice to meet you. That was random. Well... The next day, that random person shows up at my office with this brand new trampoline. I couldn't believe it. It was like, my kids are going to freak. I set it up that night, and my kids jumped on that thing for four hours. I mean, we didn't even know these people. They didn't have to do that. I mean, really, that's pretty generous. Well, the next day, I get an email from the same lady saying, Oh, you guys seem like a sharp couple, and we'd love to come by and talk to you about something. I emailed her back and said, that sounds like a multi-level marketing proposal. And if it was, we really weren't interested. Of course, she says it's not that sort of deal, but she was really persistent. She even called Amy. Amy had been sick and it really wasn't a great time to have company over. Our house is a wreck and we didn't feel like picking it up. We said everything short of, please don't come over to my house. So they show up and I'm like, here we go. Let's get this over with. Don't say yes to anything. I couldn't believe they sunk their claws into us with that trampoline to get us involved in some pyramid scheme. Anyway, so we small talked for about five minutes, and then right when I thought they were about to drop the bomb, they did. But it wasn't the bomb I was expecting. So the lady says, well, we told you we'd only be a few minutes, and I really don't know how to say this, but we want to pay off your $10,000 left in debt so you guys can adopt. She pulls out her checkbook and goes, how do you spell your guys' names? What? Are you kidding me? Are you for real? I mean, who does that? Who writes somebody a check for $10,000 and gives it to people they don't even know? So they give us a check and they said, just don't act weird around the church and just don't tell anybody it was us. And they drove off. I mean, Amy and I stood there for 10 minutes in total shock. And we cried and we screamed. And we ran all over the yard and the house. Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, it was beyond belief. We realized nine months later when we brought Malaya home, the check they wrote us was dated nine months prior to Malaya's due date. They gave us that money right about the time our daughter was conceived. It was like God was saying, I have a baby out there for you right now. I'm not waiting around another two years for you to pay off that debt. We felt called to adopt, but we simply couldn't afford to do it on our own. We found that this random couple had already adopted four children and felt a calling to continue to serve through adoption. 
Rather than bringing more children into their home, they decided to help others adopt. It didn't just happen. It wasn't random at all. God knew his plan. He had just invited us to walk with him through this process. He was weaving our callings, our stories together for us to love and to care for each other, to make a beautiful tapestry for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. When God calls us to think legacy, he does within us what he is by nature. You know the verse, John chapter 316, For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, in that verse, though, he's not talking about money. The nature of our God, our Father, is a giver. But he didn't put money down, although he owns it all. He didn't put treasure down, although he has everything he ever would need and that to spare. What did he give? His son. You see, when we learn to give, it's more than just about giving a legacy. It's about giving beyond money. It's about thinking of how we can impact our world through the kingdom of Christ. Who are these people? These are the kingdom people. This is who Northside is called to be. This is where you have come from, church. 75 years ago, these were the people that made us able to sit here today. And 75 years from now, this is who they'll be talking about if we continue to live up to that legacy. The young Timothy was told by his protege, Paul. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and which I am persuaded now lives in you also. You understand what the Apostle Paul was saying? The Hebrew of Hebrews. The, he, was, he was a trained Pharisee, and he was mentoring Timothy. He had a brilliant education, but what he said was, all I'm doing is building on the foundation of faith laid by your mother and grandmother. When I was growing up going to church, I went to the Emporia Avenue Church of Christ. I was baptized there when I was 13. I've told you many times about the influence of my grandmother and my great aunt in making who I am today. Well, I was 13 years old. I had just been baptized. I had no way to get to church. I lived 20 miles from church. I didn't know what I was going to do. My great aunt asked around and she said, I found somebody who's going to take you to church. Their names are Marvin and Janice Parkey. Now, Marvin's currently an elder. He wasn't back then over at Emporia Avenue. But Marvin and Janice Parkey agreed to take me to church, not just one time. They took me every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, even to special youth events as there were. We rode in that car from Mulvane, Kansas, to 1144 South Emporia about 400 times over the next three years. What were they giving themselves? And as we rode in that car, they taught me what Christian living means and how you act in a Christian family. They rode in. They gave another uh, lady at church a ride named Peggy Wallace. And Peggy was a sweet old lady who gave me my love for pies. And she taught me what it is to have Christian joy and fellowship and sharing. And her attitude and spirit stays with me today. What did they give? They gave themselves. 
Church, I'm not just asking to give your money. I'm asking you to be givers by nature, to be givers of yourself. That's what God wants, and that is how faith is shared. Finally, beyond investing in eternal rewards, you need to learn to outlive your life. Now, think about for just a minute a tree, a mighty oak that's been there 40 or 50 years. There's two essential parts of that tree. First is what you don't see, the roots. They go down deep, and they go spread out far and wide. And they've given that tree nourishment and stability and strength for the ages. Last week, Steve talked to you about the roots of Northside. We wouldn't be where we are but for our roots for the people who give us biblical nourishment and counsel. For the people who've held Northside through the storms. For the people who've led Northside. For the people who've dug down deep into the wells of spiritual water when there were deserts everywhere else. But what's the other part of that tree? The trunk and the roots and the branches and the fruit. It's what must con- go forward if the life of the tree is to continue. If the life of the tree is to continue, it must have the roots And the branches working together. Proverbs chapter 13 verses 22. Just verse 22 says. A good man, a good person. Leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. When you die. Everything in your estate will stand good. Everything that you own must stand good against what you owe. And what's left will be left behind to your heirs. Scripture says you're a good person if you think about and plan ahead and leave something to your children and to your children's children. That's an honorable thing. But I want you to think deeper for just a minute. I want you to think about leaving a spiritual inheritance. And thinking about that, I want to tell you the story of a woman I've never met. Her name is Blanche Phillips. She was born in 1897. If she were alive today, she would be... Really old. (laughs) She and her husband, Edgar, went to the Emporia Avenue Church of Christ. They had one son who died in the war when he was about 23 years old. She wasn't rich. She didn't have a lot of power, a lot of money. Her husband worked at the state penitentiary as a guard. They didn't make a lot of money. But they were wise. They were weird. They lived free. They lived on less than they made. I'm sure of it. I know it. Because when she passed away, she left behind instructions in her will that she wanted to set up a fund to be managed by the folks of the Emporia Avenue Church of Christ, henceforth called the Blanche Phillips Scholarship Fund, set aside to set men who wanted to go to school to learn to preach and to serve the church as long as those funds would last. And so in the past uh, 36 years, the church has been doing that. I stand here you today... Because of those funds. When did she die? 36 years ago. Why do I know that? Because the year she died in 1978 was the year that I was born. Why are we still here talking about her 36 years past the time when she was planted in the ground? If you understand that concept, you understand legacy. When you choose to live a legacy, God will make your name and your reputation not because of who you are, but because of who He is. It will outlast your life. Your treasure will outlast this time on earth. 
You see where Miss Blanche is looking in the picture? You can't see it, but she's looking in the future. She's going to help people she's never met. She, people are going to hear about her name who never even met her. And the good that will continue to be done as she feeds men who go to school to feed the local church and advance the kingdom will happen forever and ever and ever. You cannot count the number of seeds that Miss Blanche has counted, nor can you count the number of apples that have come from those seeds. This is who Northside is called to be. I believe. I imagine a north side that is three times the size that it is today. I imagine a north side that has missionaries in every single modern developed nation in the world. I imagine a north side that has Know Your Bible that reaches into homes all across the United States and through the power of the internet, millions and billions all around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and never once asking for a dime of money. I know that's the kind of legacy we have to leave. And I know that's the kind of legacy we will leave in the spirit of Miss Blanche. And maybe there's some people here who say, I'd like to continue the legacy of Miss, Miss Blanche and, and leave a fund that continues her work and to give scholarships to men and women who want to serve as missionaries and preachers all over the world. That's legacy. Outliving your time on earth. When your treasure outlasts your time, then you have been given a legacy to live. That's what I want to challenge you with this morning. I want you to challenge not to think what's about right in front of you. And some of you are right there. I mean, you've just been challenged with these sermons and these messages. And I want to encourage you. First class is tonight. Come on. If you haven't signed up, come on. If you want to be free, come on. And if you're free from financial debt, I want to challenge you to be a legacy person. I want to challenge you to begin thinking 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 75 years down the road. In the year 2089, what will the church at Northside look like? What will they say of this group that's here today when this group here today is no more? That's legacy. That's the legacy that God leaves through his kingdom. Now, I just want to point out, I know I'm just going to embarrass her. There's a little young child being taken out the back. But that's, yes. That's the legacy. Can you stop for just a minute? I know, embarrassing, I know. That's the legacy for that little girl right there. What will she say? What will she... Now all the babies start crying. (laughs) What will she say? Thank you. What will she say? What will she say? About the legacy we left. I leave you, of course, with the legacy that Jesus left, which is the open gospel open to all at any time for any man who would bow his knee to the living Christ and say he is Lord. If you're willing to ready to bow your knee and make him Lord and put him on in baptism, we bid you come. The legacy you'll leave will make your life. It'll never be the same. If you feel called, please come. Our elders will meet you as together we stand and say.